0: Welcome to the Undercover Elephant, a podcast about scaling and optimizing your PHP applications produced by Tideways. Each week, Benjamin Eberlei and Matthew Setter sit down with an expert from the PHP community to discuss a specific aspect of highly performant PHP applications. Whether you're a lone developer or part of a larger team, if you want to develop fast and reliable PHP applications, then this, my friend, is the podcast for you all right let's get started in this episode benjamin and i will be talking with matthew napoli about shared nothing and shared everything architectures bref serverless fast development plus loads loads more as always you can find an article about the topic on tideways.com forward slash podcast forward slash
1: six as well as in the show notes let's get going hi matthew Uh, where are you calling in from today
2: Hi Benjamin. Hi Matthew. So I'm calling in from Lyon in France today.
1: You are uh, working on the project Bref, which is a, a PHP runtime for AWS Lambda, and um, that means you are uh, are intimately familiar running PHP in ways that are different to standard architectures. And um, this is a topic that we want to talk about today. So PHP's shared nothing architecture and maybe alternatives to how you can run PHP in different architectures or different approaches. So what does it mean in your words when somebody describes PHP
0: applications as having a shared nothing architecture?
2: Okay, so a simple answer to that. If we take the context of HTTP applications, like websites, like APIs, the script that will handle a request will start from scratch every time for every request. And at the end of the request, it will die. So that means that every request is completely isolated from the rest. Nothing is shared between requests like process memory, like variables. Everything starts from scratch.
0: All right. So this is helpful to, to sort of show that, but what would be the, the particular upsides of that architecture versus some other common alternatives?
2: Right. And when you come from another language, uh, this sounds really weird and maybe inefficient because you recreate everything from scratch for every request, but it has some benefits. The first one, and I think the main one is that it's extremely simple. It's a very simple execution model. You don't have to worry about memory leaks. You don't have to worry about concurrency issues. And yeah, to me, simplicity is really big, a really big feature. Now there are other benefits to that execution model. For example, scaling is a bit easier, at least in most cases, because you only need to add more servers to the mix to make your application scale. You also have like no single point of failure. So I can illustrate that with an example. Before working with PHP, I used to work with Java and Java works like most other languages in that when you want to run a website or an API, you start a process that will handle all requests. So, I used to work on that large e-commerce website written in Java, and so we had one one large process, handling all the requests, and when there was uh, one request that would crash, but like seriously crash, then the whole process would crash and the whole website was down. And our only option was to restart the process from again, so this, this is what I call a single point of failure. You have one process for all the requests. We had a similar problem with the garbage collector. So this is specific to Java, but I, I think you get the points across other languages. When the garbage collector would run, the whole process was frozen. And since we had only one process, then the whole website was completely frozen for a few seconds. And this was a huge downside again. Now, I am not saying that like PHP is better than all the other languages and that the shared nothing architecture is always the best, but it does have uh, some advantages and it makes things simpler in many cases.
0: Okay, so those are the upsides. So what are some of the like the common downsides? So to keep things in a, in a sense of perspective.
2: And obviously we, we start from scratch for every request. So uh, this isn't really efficient. Uh, for example, if your application uh, was storing some configuration in a, in a file, then you, you would have to read the file for every request. Now, uh, Of course, since PHP has worked that way since like forever, the whole ecosystem has been built with those constraints in mind. And basically, we have gotten really good at optimizing stuff. For example, reading a config file is a good example. Because today, if you use modern PHP frameworks or libraries, or even best practices, you can easily cache configuration and avoid reading the file every time. But of course, um, with PHP, you will still have some overhead compared to other languages. You can't cache everything, and even then, reading from a cache takes a little bit of time. But in reality, the performance you may lose, we are talking about maybe a few milliseconds in most frameworks. So this is something that is fine for most applications, I would say.
0: Okay. Maybe to sort of round it out a bit, can you give some examples of, like, so like the languages that would have, like, a non- Uh, shared nothing what would be sort of what java node ruby python and go or am i sort of being a bit too sort of broad there like are they sort of like your mixed models not either shared everything or shared nothing but like a mixture of between those two
2: well php is we call it a shared nothing architecture but it's really a a mix of both because obviously we in most uh, applications with PHP, we share, for example, the, we may share the file system, or we may share some resources like a Redis cache, a database, and those are shared between all requests. So you still have, you can still have problems l- linked to the shared architectures. Like let's say you overload the database, or you ha- you can have some deadlocks, or you can have a single point of failure, and you could have two processes uh, in PHP writing to the same. File at the same time, so it's not like all or nothing. And I think that's the same with other languages. I think most languages other than PHP work, uh, like Java, like Go, Python, Node. They have a shared architecture, if I if I can call it that. Uh, so I don't think there's a, a black or white. It's a black or white situation. It's a mix of of both. But uh, yeah, as far as I know, PHP is a bit unique on that model.
1: Yeah. So. so... We've talked about running PHP in shared nothing and environment now. And um, what are maybe ways or what are ways to run PHP in a different um, or other ways to run PHP in a different way than with a shared nothing architecture?
2: Right. Uh, yes. Some people have been working on projects or as uh, so it could be open source, PHP libraries or even PHP extensions to run PHP differently. Like I'm talking about uh, React, PHP, Amp, Spool, PHP-PM, and also I think Roadrunner. Those projects roughly have the same ID. They are different details, but uh, the ID behind this is to run PHP like other languages. Um, so that means like a single process handling multiple requests. Uh, that also means that you can, in most cases, share states between requests. So you have one process that receives multiple requests instead of one, like usual. And uh, the main idea behind that is that to make a request respond much faster because you can, for example, boot your framework like Symfony, like Laravel, you can boot it once. And then once it's booted, it can handle many requests uh, faster than if you have to boot the framework every time. So uh, when you say it like that, it sounds really interesting because you can, um, optimize applications and, and avoid wasting resources. Uh, but I would say this is those are tools that would apply to some applications that are already very optimized. Uh, if you have an application that runs in like 10 to maybe 50 milliseconds, then that can be interesting because you can save a few milliseconds, a few tens of milliseconds. Um, so that can make a difference. But if you have a larger application, if you do some processing, some SQL queries, you probably will not see a difference. At least it's my guess.
0: Besides, you said um, it probably applies better to applications that are already optimized. Are there particular domains of applications that would lend themselves more to these kinds of projects?
2: Yes, I think this is mostly interesting for APIs, like real-time APIs or very, uh, like microservices maybe, scenarios when you need where you need to handle a lot of requests And you need to handle them really fast. Now, I guess you can have some websites that run very fast, like 10, 20 milliseconds. But that's not the usual case for PHP applications. So I may be wrong about websites, right? You need small, I think you need small and very optimized stuff. And small doesn't mean uh, that it's a small scale, but it's a small behavior. You can't do like... 100 MySQL queries in the in the request. If you want to gain a few milliseconds on booting booting the framework, you have to have identified that the that the bottleneck is the framework or something that you can store in memory between requests.
0: I've got my notes here. I, I'm not sure if it was yourself or or Benjamin who said it, but of the three, I was at, is it Swill or Swule? How is that pronounced?
2: I have no idea.
0: <laughs> I'll call it Swill then in my my aussie vernacular roadrunner and react php we're saying that swill so, so now i'm getting self conscious um seems to be was not mainly the most viable because it's used with a lot of success by large companies do, do you have any uh, some sort of insight or suggestions as to why that seems to have gained traction over the other projects uh with the caveat that i actually haven't used either so i have no experience to, to base my you know to, to have more information on
2: so I I am not sure about what I'm going to say, but from what I understood, Swool was developed by a Chinese, a large Chinese company that is using the project in production. And I can't remember if this is Alibaba or Aliexpress, or I forgot the name, but it's like a large Chinese company with a large uh, website. Maybe you know Benjamin?
1: Uh, no, no, actually I don't know. I remember it being a Chinese company, but I, I don't know the um, particulars.
2: So they use it for their use case and they share some uh, numbers on the School website. And um, those are really impressive numbers. So I guess since they use it in production with good numbers and it seems stable for their use case, it seems more, I don't know, trustworthy or reliable on the long run to bet on that project. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So, so one thing that I um, always see as an argument for using React or Swool is um, WebSockets, for example. So WebSockets is a technology that is rather modern compared to HTTP one. So WebSockets do need state uh, and a permanent connection between client and server. So that, that is something that. Uh, PHP's shared nothing architecture can't do.
2: Yes, this is this is a really interesting thing. And in most cases, when you want to do WebSocket with PHP, you have to use either, as you said, React PHP or stuff like this. Or, uh, for example, a Node.js bridge. Uh, this is the case with Laravel. If you use Laravel and want to do WebSockets with the framework recommended way, you can use either uh, a SaaS service or a Node.js server that will simply maintain the connections and um, share them with PHP via, via I think, uh, Redis or something like that. And so here, we, we clearly see the limits of the PHP execution model, where you have to use Node to be able to write web sockets in PHP.
0: Okay. I think one of the other things we were talking about also was you, was it yourself, I think, was saying, was it that <laughs> uh, serverless uh, hosting sort of adopted the, like a non-shared approach and then ap- applied it to all languages. And I think it was, you were saying that you felt that it made PHP one of the most promising serverless languages as a result of that. I was wondering if I could kind of plumb that a little deeper. Because I mean, serverless is just all the rage.
2: Yes, it is really like the trendy topic at the moment. Uh, it's, uh, not everybody uses it, of course. So <laughs> we talk a lot about it, but it's really new at the moment. But I think... The thing behind that is really interesting, especially when you take a look at it from the PHP point of view. So I will say serverless, but this is more specifically to, uh, this applies more specifically to function as a service, which is a way to run code online without having to deal with servers and maintaining them and everything. So with function as a service, what cloud providers are doing is they took the shared nothing execution model of PHP And I mean, I don't think they thought about PHP specifically, but this is the shared nothing execution model. And they applied it to every other language. They did that for many reasons. The main one being uh, able able to scale uh, on-demand applications. And it has benefits like uh, you can sometimes save on costs, hosting costs, and you can scale more easily, and and you have uh, a simpler way to manage the servers. But anyway they took that execution model and applied it to other languages. And it works really well for those languages, except that, uh, let's say you do some Java or Node.js or Go or Python, you have to change the way you build your applications. And you have to sometimes change the frameworks that you use. But if you take PHP, which already works that way, and you want to put it on function as a service and make a serverless, serverless PHP application, then you don't have to change anything. All the frameworks are already made for that execution model. And everything we've built in PHP for the last 20 years are built with the limitations of the shared nothing architecture. So we basically got really good at doing that kind of um, applications, but um, yeah this is what why i think php is really special here and that's what makes me believe that php is the perfect serverless language even though it's not really trendy php is not trendy and serverless is but this is a really interesting situation
0: i find that interesting because uh as we were talking to larry garfield what would it be late last week and like and he was saying that Even though that's the case, and the way the PHP execution model works is is arguably perfect for serverless, it's about every other language that seems to get press about serverless. I think the, the usual sort of story, it's, oh, you can use Go, you can use Python, you can use Ruby, it's just anything else but. And I think Rob Allen was saying, gave a talk about using serverless, and you had to do all this extra work to get PHP to run. I think that was particularly with Google Cloud. Could have been AWS, I'm not sure which, but it just seems a sort of certain irony.
2: Absolutely, this is uh, what I say every time I'll talk about serverless, this is really ironic. And yeah, running PHP on AWS, I think Google Cloud as well and Microsoft Azure as well, uh, it's hard, you have to uh, work around some limitations. For example, PHP is just not supported on AWS. Um, I mean, for AWS Lambda specifically. And this is completely ironic. But then again, adding support for PHP, this is what I do uh, with my project. This isn't, I mean, this is a a bit of extra work, but it works and it works fine. So I think I do all of this. I work on that open source project and I try to uh, sell serverless or not really sell it, but talk about it in in PHP because I think that serverless could play a good part of PHP's future.
1: So how does running PHP in AWS Lambda with uh, Brev, which is your open source library, differ from running PHP in a more classical environment? Is, it, um, is there some change with respect to shared state or does it work um, exactly the same? Can you explain a little bit how the execution model works?
2: If you take a look at AWS Lambda in and what we call function as a service, the way code runs on that... Uh, on those platform is different from what we are used to this is called function as a service because basically you write a, a function so you take your php code or your java javascript code and you put it in a function and then aws lambda will invoke that function and when i say function it really is a function that takes a, a parameter and it's easy to add support for php on aws lambda for this kind of model but it's not really useful in most cases because if you build a website if you build an api you don't really want to write a function you want to have a index.php called for every request so what we do with breath is we build some kind of little bridge that takes what AWS Lambda sends us, which is an object that represents the request. And we forward that to PHP FPM. So there's a little bit of, you know, turning an object into a a fast CGI request. So I had to learn about fast CGI and and how PHP FPM works. It was really interesting. (laughs) But the thing is that it just works and we send that to PHP FPM and then PHP applications, they just run in PHP FPM, just like on any server. And that's to me, the key of this is that you take a PHP application, you take Symfony or you take Laravel and you run that with the same environment, the same global variables, the same, yeah, the same thing as on any server. And that makes porting PHP application to Lambda really easy. And that's again, really unique to PHP because all other languages have to, have to adapt to the fast uh, way of, those, of doing things. With PHP, we run PHP FPM in there, and it just works.
0: Other than, I guess, using the the breath, are there any other sort of catches or things to be aware of or to look out for when when um, running in a, in a serverless mode or approach?
2: Yes. So, on the top of my head. So there are some uh, limitations. For example, a simple one, you can't run code for more than 15 minutes. AWS Lambda has a limit on 15 minutes. So for websites, that's fine because you don't have requests taking 15 minutes. But if you write workers, then you can't have a job that runs for 15 minutes. You have to adapt. Same with workers. If you use a job queue, you want to change around the way you uh, process messages you don't want to write a CLI command that will start and pull and ask for messages from the job queue. Uh, that's not the way it works. The way it works is the other way. AWS Lambda will call your function whenever there's a new message in the queue. So this is interesting. You don't have to write the, the command that will pull the queue, but then you have to change a little bit the way the job is processed because your code is invoked whenever there's a job. And that means, uh, for example, lately, I've been working with Symfony Messenger, and before that with Laravel queues. Those two frameworks expect to be pulling a queue, and that's not how it works on Lambda. So I'm working on some bridges to make it simple, but it's a little bit bit of a change. There are other limits. Uh, For example, you can't have as much memory as you want. You have to choose a specific amount of memory. You have different kinds of limitations like this. You also need to learn about how AWS Lambda will scale your application, because you could have um, what's called a, a cold start. If you learn about fast, you probably know what I mean. If you don't, a cold start is when your application will um, will boot a new auto-scaling pod, a new container to handle more requests. It's hard to get into those, those details um, like in a few seconds, But uh, if you want to look into it, have a look for those.
0: Okay. So I guess, could I, would I be correct in summarizing saying, partly there are platform limitations and partly there's like a mindset, a way of appreciating how to write serverless versus, for want of a better term, more traditional PHP application.
2: Yes, that's exactly that. Yes. There's just one thing I would like to talk about uh, before finishing. So the question was, I was wondering about, uh, you know, with serverless, uh, on so on that side with Swool and React, on the other hand, uh, should PHP go and stay with the shared nothing architecture? Should PHP go um, like other languages and, and, and share state between requests? I think this is interesting because we are kind of advancing in both directions. But I still think that the shared nothing execution model isn't like dead in the water. We can still make that better. Now I have discussed um, an idea with uh, Nikita Popov um, a few weeks ago, and I think there is still room for improvement on the share-nothing execution model for PHP. So let me try to explain it uh, as clear as I can. So today when you run PHP on a classic server, uh, nothing special, whenever there's a request, we'll have like a brand new PHP process and you will start from scratch as I said, but what actually happens is that PHP-FPM, which is the, the process that manages all the PHP processes, so PHP-FPM maintains a set, a pool of processes, a blank PHP processes. So those processes are started to avoid starting a new process for every request, but they are completely blank. And when there's a request, your script will execute in, in one of those process. And at the end, the process will be completely reinitialized for the next request. So you don't actually kill the process and start a new process. This is an optimization. And it works really great. But what if we could pre-warm the process before handling requests? And what I mean by that is whenever this uh, 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 like PHP FPM starts and you say, I want a pool of five processes to handle requests, then processes will start. They they are completely blank at that point, but then you have a specific new PHP feature that can boot, for example, your Symfony or your Laravel application before requests comes in. So Symfony boots, Laravel boots, and only then when the, the process has initialized, only then PHP processes are available to receive requests. Now the benefit of that is that obviously you save some time. You can boot Symfony or Laravel before ending requests. You get the same response time as you get with React PHP or PHP PM or maybe Swool. So you get the benefit of better performances, but you don't get the shared states between requests because at the end of the request, you still clear the process. You start Symfony again in anticipation for the next request that will come in. I don't know if that makes sense what I'm saying,
1: it makes a lot of sense. So, uh, we talked about this at PHP Barcelona a few weeks ago and Nikki also mentioned it. I think it's a really great idea and it might actually work. I am hopeful that we might get something working in this case, but, um, I, I looked at the code myself and this is out of my league of C programming, but, um, I'm pretty sure that if it's possible, Nikki, Nikita would f- find a way to do that.
2: <laughs> yes, I think that's, that's the person that is best to do do something like this so um, I don't know if that will actually happen but I think it's interesting to keep challenging the way we run PHP and keep challenging our architectures because it could still lead to some interesting stuff
1: (laughs) yeah I agree I also think the Shad Nothing model is really great and shouldn't be uh, left dead in the water uh, because of all the benefits it has so finding improvements here and there is certainly a way to go All right. So, well, at
0: that point, since we are now sort of roundabout time, this is where I hand over to to you, Matthew, if you'd like to something else you'd like to plug, more projects, anything in particular, the uh, platform's yours.
2: Thank you. So first, thank you for inviting me uh, to do the podcast. This was really fun. At the moment, I'm working most of my time on Breath, which is the open source project we've mentioned. and. which is an open-source project, again, to recap, that helps you build serverless PHP applications. So if you're interested in that, have a look at the project. If you need help, I can work with you. This is what I do for a living, so I'm happy to help. Uh, Feel free to get in touch. Again, thank you for having me on the podcast.
0: Thank you for coming on. Thank you. And thanks for tuning in. The Undercover Elephant is produced by Tideways, a PHP monitoring, profiling, and exception tracking software company. If you want to know more about anything that you heard during the episode about a wonderful guest or about Benjamin and myself, check out the show notes in your favorite podcast player. Alternatively, go to undercover-elephant.com. That's undercover-elephant.com. You'll find a link to each episode, which contains show notes for that episode. If you'd like to be a guest on the podcast, or if you know someone who is very knowledgeable in writing highly performant and scalable PHP applications, then email us at podcast at tideways.com. That's podcast at tideways.com.